0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Potscast. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by several guests as we discuss the memories of wrestling from their childhood. In this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Spud. Spud, you're back. Back again.
1: Tell a friend. You're here. I'm back and better than ever. Got a knack for making things better, so I'll just, I'll continue to maintain the streak
0: as we've said the most important streak in wrestling
1: yeah i'm the phenom of the podcast.
0: <laughs> we're talking today about childhood wrestling and what got you invested in wrestling so i'm gonna fire straight into question number one for spud what sure. got you interested in wrestling or what attracted you to
1: the product i would say i would always say that 98 it's like the big year that got me hooked but I was, I've talked about that before, so I was looking like further back. '97, I watched it a bit. I liked the characters, the computer games as well, the PlayStation games really got me into it. I was into like fighting games, so it kind of went hand in hand. I liked the characters, I liked larger than life storylines. Um, I was becoming a teenager, and all the it was geared towards me it fit in with everything else that was sort of happening on tv at the time uh you know jackass south park this kind of edgy stuff yeah i believe it kind of shaped the way my sort of sense of humor and stuff like that that's those sort of formative years yeah um so yeah just from a young age like i said i was trying to think of my very earliest memory and it would have been planned do you remember in your house on playstation
0: yes i do
1: it was like the arcade version where british bulldog turned into a bulldog and tried to bite you and stuff
0: yeah
1: i had that before i'd ever seen wrestling (laughs) and so i was like who's this guy why's this guy like hunter hearst helmsley hitting people with a cane and stuff you know and also like even before that my older brother had like annuals with ultimate warrior and stuff like that on it so yeah it was just it's the characters that draw you in and then the stories that sort of keep you there i would say for most people i would say that's sort of the same
0: it seems to be sort of a universal one from everyone i've done these sort of interviews with it's something that clicked with them when they were younger and something maybe as you talked about your formula of year something that just maybe clicked and got you hooked that way but one thing i want to touch on is you talked about different people there you mentioned ultimate warrior and stuff and you mentioned 98 being the year that really got you into wrestling give me one massive childhood memory or even Uh, storyline that kept you hooked the entire time and you had
1: to see what happened next so maybe you tuned in next week or whatever sure uh well 98 pretty much i mean it started in 97 vince versus austin's obviously the big one I'm sure a lot of people are talking about that, but uh, Taker and Kane, I think it's the best storytelling that WWE, whatever you want to call it, uh, have ever done. Um, like I said, '98 sort of my the year that I got proper invested, but I watched it from like sort of '97, so I remember Kane debuting. Um, I remember Kane is here, Undertaker, your brother's alive, and all that. Yeah. Um. That keep that kept me hooked. It was the WrestleMania 14 match I was most looking forward to. Every match I was like this is class. I was always into like the bigger guys. Um, it's just larger than life. You know it's what attracted me. Yeah. Very much like Vince in that sort of aspect. Um, yeah so I would say definitely 98 is probably one of the best years for storytelling. Uh, the Kane Undertaker. You had DX. You had The Rock. Uh, Nation. Everybody like that. But Taker Kean and vince austin pretty much right the way through could yeah. do no wrong from 98 all the way to 2000 probably
0: yeah
1: and me being me being a sort of 10 year old kids that's it's geared towards me yeah you know i mean so. as,
0: you, as you were talking there about 98 between like taker and Kane, it it's funny because they sort of started that in 97 and carried the way through but they started 1998 with the big Kane setting fire to the undertaker's Coffin with Taker in it at the Rumble, and yes. even at the end of that year, the end of 1998, with like there was Austin hitting the Undertaker in the head with a shovel and Kane shoving Paul Bear and a sewer, they were still <laughs> revisiting Kane and Undertaker throughout that whole year in different parts. Whether they were together, maybe at like breakdown, but maybe yeah. towards the end of the year, they were beginning to feud again. So it was definitely there were, a draw, there were a even.
1: Yeah, they were even like fighting there was three ways we Austin for the title and they both pinned Austin at the same time. Yeah. And there was sort of seeds sown for them becoming a tag team and stuff like that. So I loved it. I loved that whole thing setting people on fire. Like crew guys. I I was actually really scared of Kane as a kid. I had nightmares about Kane. So (laughs) it's effective, you know, it's it's really good storytelling, but it kept me engaged and the next year, you know, I'm feeling sorry for Kane because he's getting bullied by X Pac. (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's just really good storytelling in my eyes
0: well you've you've talked about kane taker austin vince stuff like that i want to know maybe i should rephrase this different i was going to ask who your favorite wrestler is and why did they draw you in maybe over time your favorite wrestler has changed but who was maybe your favorite wrestler at that period of time when you were a kid and you were watching it for those maybe first few years who was your favorite and why did they draw you into wanting to watch the
1: product well just uh like I said, I was always a fan of the bigger guys. So um, your takers, Cain's. Cain eventually, I would say Kane and Taker are the big two. Um, I obviously liked The Rock because he talked about uh, monkey bums and whatever, and I was 10. And Austin, I like the lower guys. Obviously, you know that I like Dato Brown and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would say just the main event scene was amazing back then so i loved mankind and dude love nobody likes dude love but i like <laughs> dude love but yeah definitely it has to be taker it has to be taker and then Keane in a close second yeah you mentioned the were doing... that there, there were superheroes i'm a big comic book guy yeah it's literally good versus evil and there's intricacies because uh, well taker did burn the house down and stuff <laughs> like that so why would you cheering him this poor guy's burnt the crisp but it's it's questioning yourself and it's not as as easy as just good and evil because there's like little deviations away from it you know yeah when you're a kid this is like the best thing going
0: two things first you mentioned dude love you said nobody mentions dude love or likes dude love dude (laughs) love versus austin at um over the age 98 is actually one of my favorite steve austin matches i thought the entire match was brilliant i thought taker being the enforcer and then then beginning that program right through to Austin Taker at SummerSlam I thought everything about it was excellently done second point you talked about like different people there and the intricacies that maybe kept you hooked and you were 10 and you were desperate to watch it and you, you enjoyed watching it and stuff brings me to my last question and probably the one that you might want to spend a bit the most time on there's obviously a difference between the modern product and the product back then that got you engaged what is the difference for you between now and then and what either makes you enjoy today's product more or makes you Mm -hmm. not interested in today's product
1: well it's hard to sort of compare you know when you first you know you know you know become dave milter um (laughs) it's hard to compare when you first discover something to 20 years later where you're watching it with jaded eyes let's say so it's that's why nostalgia is so important especially today um i was thinking about like would i enjoy today's product if i was 10 today and I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure i would like i'm trying to put myself back then i think i probably would watch it if, if all my mates were watching it but it wouldn't have got me hooked as much i don't know they're kind of directionless at the minute and covid's being blamed for it and not having fans etc but i don't know who Like, let's take Raw, for example. Who's Raw sort of... I thought maybe it's aimed at kids. But now you've got people losing eyeballs and riders putting bricks through windows and um, Dominic Mysterio getting caned within an inch of his life. So do six-year-olds want to sit and watch somebody get absolutely mangled? So who is it for? Is it for teenagers? No, they're watching AEW. So I I it's not for me. I'm not watching it at the minute. I don't like it at the minute, uh, comparative. So I think it's, like I said, it was all about storytelling. Um, take Kane and Undertaker, for Toxic. sake. Um, he debuted, I think it was November 97, Kane. Yeah. And they didn't fight until Mania. And obviously they gave Taker time off, so that didn't happen. But compare it to a feud today yeah um uh, say kevin owens versus seth uh rollins going into mania you had them on every week 20 minute dialogues nobody was getting set on fire and that's big <laughs> that's big for me <laughs> um there was it's just why do you not like him uh i just don't like him don't like the way he's getting on well i don't i get on this way because the fans made me this way and it's like ah oh, it's the same every time it's very samey but again i know it's not I was talking to you guys in the group chat. Yeah. I'm not a selfish guy. I'm not going to go on Twitter and say it should be done like this, this, and this. It's just not for me at the minute. Yeah. I I always like to make comparisons. Uh, so compared to like a band who peaked in the nineties, compared to Eminem. There we go. Eminem <laughs> peaked. He debuted about ninety seven. So there we go. That's bang on. When I started watching wrestling, I was really into Eminem. The first like four albums. This last couple of albums, I'm like, eh, it is what it is. It's not for me anymore. I'll yeah. go back and listen to some old stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I I know you have. I know Pete, uh, that you've had a conversation with, is doing it at the minute. I'm looking at a lot of old WCW thing. The network's your friend. Yeah. Uh, I'll dip in and out. I'll watch SummerSlam this weekend. And hopefully it's good. If it's not, eh, I'll just go on about my day. I'm not going to go on Twitter and complain to everybody that it should be the way I want it to be. WWE are too broad. They're trying to appeal to everyone and getting no one. And I think AEW are too narrow. They're trying to appeal um, to my, in my opinion, pander to a very, very small demographic that 700,000 to a million people those hardcore fans which i would consider myself to be but it's just not for me at the minute so ultimately, that's
0: yeah so ultimately, Go ahead. yeah i was just gonna say so ultimately it's really down to you've probably changed as a person obviously since you watched it when you were 10 to now so the things that you're interested in have obviously changed but we've talked about this before there's a, there's there is a desire there to be engaged and to pop and they get excited for wrestling and mm-hmm. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth by saying this, but you're almost a bit unfulfilled. So you'll pro- you'll just like you know what? It's not gonna happen. I'm not enjoying myself. It's not entertaining to me. It's supposed to be an entertainment product, so I'm not gonna watch.
1: Well, I've said before that uh, being a wrestling fan is a lot of waiting around. And like I said, I read comics, so I'm used to long storytelling. It's it's a lot of waiting around for one big moment. You watch like ninety percent. Ugh. All right. And then eventually you'll get a Kofi moment or you'll get a Daniel Bryan moment or you'll get a good cash in or you'll get uh, an RKO out of nowhere and it'll be like, ah, oh, class, that was good. But they're few and far between at the minute. And uh, I've dipped in and out. I dipped out about 2003 before because it wasn't interesting to me. I always come back to it. Yeah. Do you know, I, d- I will keep an eye on it, but at the minute it's just not for me Um do not like AEW's entire sort of production. The wink and the nudge and looking at the camera, that's not for me. It's just not... And WWE, like I said, there's no big stars at the minute. I think if you asked anybody in the street, the last person that would have remembered is John Cena, and he's not around anymore. Like, who's the stars? So it's just not engaging me as well as it could be. Um, And... Yeah, I've got you. I've got Twitter. I'll know when it gets good again. But there's so much <laughs> ne- I'll know when it gets good again. But there's so much negativity, and half of them hate AEW. Half of them hate WWE. It's hard to find the good stuff because everybody's fighting about what's good and what's not. Yeah. So I'm just gonna keep dipping in. Night. Me and you'll have a conversation every now and again, and hopefully it gets good soon. But I can't see it happening anytime soon.
0: Well, Spud, it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you for your time as always. You've kept the streak alive and the streak will continue. So, Thank you so much for your time today, Spud.
1: All the best, Patsy. Always a pleasure. Thank you.
0: But I have a very special guest joining me today for the next set of questions. It is Ash Wilson from the Cathedral Sport Podcast. Ash, welcome to the show and tell my listeners all about you and all about your podcast.
2: Hi, guys. Ash from the Cathedral Sport Podcast. We're a new podcast, basically. Uh, we cover all sports. We do an F1 show, we do a football show, we do a US sports show. We get special guests on as well. We've had two ex footballers on this week, we've got a, a Muay Thai k1 x world champion on next week so you know we're that's that's the sort of thing we we do it's all about the guests and uh, getting interviews in there and and just doing roundups of sports and stuff like that uh we just we work out of edinburgh and scotland uh but our, our audience is uk but we've even <laughs> we've had people in cyprus listen belgium australia so it's kind of kind of got out there more than more than we thought it would to be honest
0: yeah, very good. And uh, Ash, where can where can the listeners find you? You're on Twitter.
2: Yeah, we're on Twitter at Cathedral underscore Sport. We are also on Anchor, which is anchor.fm forward slash Cathedral of Sport. We're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Pocket Casts, and all the all the usual platforms where you can you can listen to us. So just subscribe to us and or give us a favorite or something like that when when and as you give us a listen
0: yeah absolutely so yeah please check ash's workout please check the podcast out it's a very good show i've listened to a couple of their episodes really really enjoyed it but i've got we're going to talk wrestling today maybe something that you're not so much a big fan into now and we'll talk about that as we go but question number one for you what got you into wrestling what got you interested in wrestling or what attracted you to
2: professional wrestling well just by chance really i mean my nan was. Cause I lived with my nan and granddad quite a lot when I was little, and my nan was a big wrestling fan, of, like the old British wrestling, like Giant Haystacks and Kendo Nagasaki and stuff like that. We we couldn't look. We couldn't afford satellite or Sky Sports or cable or anything like that. So when WCW came onto free to air on on ITV channel three back in the early nineties, you know she switched it straight on and, and, and showed me it and and basically got me into it, you know. And so I started watching it from there. That's how I got into it. So, yeah, for my for my nan.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And your your nan was your nan a fan of WCW or is it just really the old British style and then sort of switched off with the WCW stuff?
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> she 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 liked a couple of guys on the WCW, um, but she'd sit there and watch it with me, you know. And she she used to tell me every opportunity that giant haystacks was the best and their favorite and would beat all these guys and all this sort of stuff you know yeah. you know what old women are like eh?
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> so you've sort of talked about when you watched it with your nan and all that sort of thing when you were younger so i'm going to ask for a massive childhood memory something that you've seen in terms of wrestling that kept you hooked or made you want to see next week's show
2: uh, that, that, do you know what? There's been so many over the years. I mean, I'll go, I'll, I'm going to give you a WCW example and I'll give you a WWF example. Now, the WCW example was the, there was an ongoing storyline, like right, years and years ago with a tag team, the Harlem Heat, which included Booker T. Yeah. And I was like a huge fan of them. They're like my favorite tag team. And there's also, this is when Sting was world champion as well. And, you know, there was a, there was a storyline going on with them and another tag team about, about Sherry um it, it was at ringside and stuff like that and there was a constant that going on and and then and the, and the, and the tag team title was tra- changing back and forth nearly every other week and it just kept it just got me hooked you know it's just that like the whole storylines the whole gimmicks and you know the, the the mystery of who these characters were and and stuff like that WWF wise I mean I didn't get into that until a bit later uh when I just when I started secondary school yeah but I was lucky enough to start secondary school in 1998, with the year of the King of the Ring and Undertaker, Mankind, Hell in a Cell. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know,
2: just, just uh, about to become a teenager and, and you got this, you know, they got the the attitude era, the hardcore era about to start. It was just mesmerizing stuff. It was must watch TV. You, you couldn't, you, you couldn't miss an episode. You couldn't miss a show at all.
0: Yeah, I think it was. It was one of those sort of time periods where I think everyone just watched in awe. That's because. When you when you sort of thought wrestling, you sort of seen like big blown up cartoon characters, and then all of a sudden it sort of became this like, is this real? Wow.
2: Yeah, that's what I, I like the gimmicks of it. And when I was a kid, you know, the the, the characters I, I really bought into. Yeah. And especially like people like Mankind and Kane because you genuinely believed that Kane <laughs> Kane was going to take his brother, and he had been burnt in a house fire, and you know all this sort of stuff. And Mankind's like mad persona and. <laughs> you bought into it it had you hooked you know you, it, you everyone thought stone cold was this like lunatic alky that just went go around like a, a battering ram and oh it was great it was absolutely great yeah i wish i wish wish it's still like that i know well, i think walk. it i think everyone does <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think um you've mentioned in there you mentioned sting you mentioned booger t austin mankind taker who's your favorite wrestler and what about them drew you in to watch the product
2: Right, so I would I would say I've I've got two because of the the, the whole the brand thing, WCW and WWF. So when I was when I was young, obviously I'm going to mention Sting again. Yeah, he was was the man, you know. He was uh, the world champion. I'd be devastated if he lost and and stuff like that. And but later on in life, when I started, you know, watching WWF as well, I'm going to have to say Triple H. You know, I'm a massive fan of like the high flyers, like uh, the old Shawn Michaels and the acrobatics and stuff like that. But you start as you get older, you start appreciating the the technical aspect of it as well. So I, I honestly do truly believe that Triple H is the best technician in the game, the best all-rounder technical wrestler. Kurt Angle we can have as a big shout-out as well, because he actually wrestled properly at the Olympics. But um, I, I would say Triple H, just for, for what he's done, what he's achieved. And also, he's... he's you know he's still in the brand, isn't he? He's still one of the main faces of the brand, still to this day. When he's, he joined 1996 or something as Hunter Hearst yeah. Helmsley came from WCW, and he's 20, 24, 25 years later, he's still he's still there. And I was luckily enough, I went to uh, I went to wrestling two or three years three years ago actually with my stepson. I took him to the the Hydro in Glasgow. Yeah. And I, I I ticked off a bit of my bucket list. I got to see Triple H live and come out to his entrance music and spit the water <laughs> type of thing. and i was more excited than all the kids around me to see that you know I was like, <laughs> yeah as like, i've always wanted to see that since i was a kid and finally finally got to see him but obviously eight it's slowed up quite a lot you know ages eight ages caught up with him and it was, yeah it was quite slow so but no, still still the best technical wrestler in my opinion
0: yeah it's funny that you're talking about triple h and you go to see him and you seen the entrance music and it ticked off the bucket list um i seen steve austin at an event he came out to open the show and right there i was like i don't care if the, sh- the show could end and i'm happy i've seen what i've always wanted to see i could take it off the bucket list i'm good and it is it's one of those moments where you just go crazy and it, it, it it's it's a it's funny that you relate so much to to your childhood well that's what I did anyway when Austin came out I was sort of like oh my goodness I remember 1998 when I was like what nine years old like screaming the house down as he like attacked Vince McMahon and stuff and then all of a sudden here comes this guy and I'm now what 25 and I'm still going nuts you know I just thought it's it's a really really cool cool thing but last question for you yeah is there a difference between the wrestling now and when you watched as a kid? And what makes you love today's product, or what makes you not so interested in today's product?
2: Back when I was a kid, now there was more gimmicks around. There, there was, there was things like the earthquake and people like that, and the Million Dollar Man and IRS and, and people like that. These, you know, they had gimmick names. Yeah. Uh, the Nasty Boys as well. Now everyone these days uses their proper name. So there's no there's not that sense of mystery anymore and also back then in the day they were never out of character I, I, I read a lot of stuff on the nasty boys and they if they went to a restaurant or a bar or a park or anywhere they were never out of character they would be exactly the same as they would have been on the TV and which makes it all that more believable even to adults that would make that more believable you know but when you get in this era now it's because of social media as well kayfabe's completely died so you know what they're up to you know what they're having for dinner every day you know they're, they're posting pictures of them and their family and, and you're like well, he's not an undertaker do you know what i mean yeah. and, and, and <laughs> stuff like that and he's not this and he's not that and it's just not it's just not believable it's just not you know the sense of mystery and and fun with the imagination is, is all gone the, i will give a shout out though to one wrestler who does stay in character the miz yeah, he's probably the only one left that actually stays in character all the time because when we went to that show in Glasgow we were talking to some other fans and um, they went to get something signed off him when he, he, he was in one of the shopping centres in Glasgow yeah. and he was he was the Miz the whole time do you know what I mean <laughs> like they, they were like he, he's, he's no different to what he is in the ring and I just thought to myself that's great I, I wish more wrestlers could be like that these days yeah Another thing I'm going to say is a bit controversial as well. Um, I'm not a massive fan of women's wrestling now. It's just like I'm not a massive fan of men's snowboarding, for example. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not, a, it's, it's something I've never really watched. I've never really been into. Um, and most of the shows now seem to be like sort of, it's all, all they're trying to push the women's wrestling like as the main thing and you know, it's, it, when I when I was growing up, it was it was a young boys thing. You know, it was it was what all the boys were into. Like none of the girls in my year was yeah. wrestling at all. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not I'm not being like anti-female or sexist or chauvinist or anything like that. I'm just I don't know. It just it doesn't do it for me. I, you know, the the physicality isn't there. I mean, I don't really take pleasure in seeing a woman smack another woman over the head with <laughs> a chair, to be honest, and and stuff like that. And you know, we're in the PG era now as well, and it's just there's nothing wrong with it being like family friendly in a way, but you know, I I want to see someone put through a table from like 60 foot, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then get and then get, or put through the top of a hell in a cell, having their tooth come out the top of their mouth, and then walking back to the ring for even more, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what I want to see. That's what I miss, and I think you know a, bit of a like, know, i'm not, not psychotic or anything but <laughs> i think we all enjoyed that you know yeah
0: i mean it's no yeah. like it's no coincidence that that was the the highest time period in the rest in the industry in terms of their not only their tv ratings but their merchandise sales and everything like that i think people were just invested in the characters in the in the personas in the people like i, I just remember when you watched the wrestling event you turn the TV on the amount of people there with signs with their Austin 316 t-shirts or with their the game t-shirts or whatever it was at the time it was just red hot whereas now you sort of turn it on and I know it's different this year specifically with no fans but you turn it on and it seems a very subdued crowd comparatively to maybe when we watched as a kid and I think it it's sort of reflective of the product in a sense there's not that edge or that shock factor what you want with no, the product, in my opinion?
2: No, there isn't. Um, I mean, it all starts with simple things as well, like commentary, Jim Ross. No one calls it a wrestling match like Jim Ross. You know, um, Bradshaw is not too bad. Booker's not bad. I've never really liked Michael Cole. Um, ring announcer as well. No one would ever fill Howard Finkel's boots. It's, it's just getting, the, the talent's getting worse. Instead of, instead of the talent getting better, it's getting, it's getting worse. So, you know, but as I touch on the point about what you just said about how we bought into the characters and all this sort of stuff as well and the merchandise and stuff like that. Now, I went to a show when I was a kid with, well, I was about 13, 14 with a couple of mates from school at Fairfield Halls in Croydon and in in South London. And they put on a, there was a couple of like local wrestlers on it and but most of the characters on there were, like the fake Stone Cold or the fake Undertaker, they were actually called Stone Cold or Undertaker, you know, you had the real <laughs> Bushwhackers there as well, the actual real ones, but even though it was the fake ones, the fake Undertaker and all that, everyone still bought merchandise there, everyone, like the pop that he got when he came out, even though was, he wasn't the real one, Yeah, was huge, it, the arena was full, it's not even a big arena, it was about 1,000, 1,500, but it was, it was full, you, you know, you couldn't get a ticket, tickets sold out ages in advance and stuff like that, imagine that nowadays uh, you know people thinking oh, I want to go and see a fake Drew Galloway or uh, <laughs> or uh, what's that guy's name oh what's his name I don't know that but you know what I mean anyway it's yeah it's, it's, it's not the same it's uh, a lot of wrestling fans agree a lot of wrestling fans now are going to like indie shows and stuff like that but even even then even with like impact wrestling and stuff like that which I I don't think it. The storylines are that bad in Impact Wrestling. To be fair, uh, yeah. I've watched it a couple of times on Free on Free Sports uh, a couple of nights, and I think they're only getting a crowds of like 200 in that. But their storylines are 10 million times better, even yeah. though they're still not great. They're still 10 million times better than WWE, and people are still filling arenas I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know how. But even in Impact, they're using their real names. And they're using their. There's a couple of gimmicks in there, but it's just no. Nah, you need you, you need especially for the kids. They need that, that that character, that imagination, that you know. Is this guy? Going to be a lunatic yeah. if I ever met asked him for an autograph, or <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just not the same yeah. at all. No,
0: I agree with you. Um, Ash, I really appreciate you taking the time out today and jumping on the podcast for me. I know you're obviously incredibly busy with your own podcast, but thank you so much for spending the time with me, and I'm sure we'll do this again at some point.
2: Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for having me on.
0: So Deeds, welcome back to the podcast, it has been a while but I am delighted to get you back on, what's going on, how's your day been, what's happening?
3: Day's been good, just sort of trying to get through day by day with all the stuff that's happening back home, around the world sort of things, but uh, no, all's good. Oh, that was good. looking forward to do the podcast with you.
0: Yeah, let's let's get right into it, mate. Question number one, what got you interested in wrestling or what attracted you to wrestling?
3: I have like an older brother who is five, six years old, aren't I? And I must have been like five, six, so he was like 10, 11. And I think I was just used as like a tackling dummy for the first <laughs> couple of years. It was just like, I, I just remember being like hit with clotheslines and putting figure 4 leg locks and proper sharpshooters where it actually broke my back, like not done properly, just done by like a kid. Yeah. Not a kid like but that's that's sort of what got, got me into it. Like sort of having the big brother who was into it and uh being just used with all the wrestling moves on me. But no, that's that's sort of it. And uh the characters back then, like you always had the big 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 fellas like the Hulk Hogans and all, and they always that's forever so sort of, remember. Watching yeah. like Hulk Hogan and The
0: Warrior and Luger, yeah. sort of they all drew me, all the big muscle-bound ones back yeah. in the day. Were they your favourites? Would you have been drawn to Hulk Hogan? Was he sort of your guy, or who was sort of your favourite <laughs> at that a, a, at that stage I think, anyway? I think Hulk Hogan was sort of the guy that got you,
3: got you into it. like he had the tan, the flipping big muscles, and the the eat your vitamins and say your prayers. You know, like he was that. He sort of like got you into, it, but I wouldn't put him down as my favourite. Obviously, his time went on. I yeah. Just remember him being the first one, sort of thing. Yeah, he's like sort of the first one that really stood out for me. If that makes sense. Yeah, which I'm sure
0: he's well he's well known, like and pretty popular, like. Spot. Yeah, true. I mean, give me one one big childhood memory apart from your brother putting you in the sharpshooter. <laughs> give me a <laughs> big childhood memory that kept you hooked or made you want to keep watching wrestling. It was funny because this one actually it gets. I didn't really have to think about this. Like I remember the first
3: trying to remember because obviously when i started watching it i think it was always used to watch the monday night raw was always on a friday night i think at 10 o'clock and i always remember obviously being sort of too young to watch it live or not live but taped but we just put it on the vcrs and record them but i remember the first pay-per-view i sat up and watched and it was uh something i always remember being off school the next day
2: Uh
3: and that was the wrestlemania michael's and bread the ironman match yeah
0: I 12. Oza, I
3: WrestleMania, twelve. Yeah. I, I just remember standing up and watching that. And uh, just both of them being like rather than now looking back, both of them were my favourites at the time. Yeah. Like how ironic that they just, both of them really hated each other, but they were yet, They are both my favourites so they were at the time and uh stand up all night to watch it and watching that and then I finished in the draw. Remember was it one each, I think?
0: Yeah, one. No, uh, no one nope. had a fault finishing the no draw, one. and Brett sort of thought, okay, to a draw, I'm leaving with my belt. And then. Yeah, and I remember thinking, I could take out a draw, that's okay, like everyone sort of
3: went to the draw, and then I remember Grilla Monsoon coming out. Yeah. So sort of, it goes in overtime or extra t- overtime, would they say, and then yeah. came back, and Brett lost with a Sweet chair music by Miggles. I remember being sad, but even though I have <laughs> been sad either way, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I I, I was not so of that's my earliest memory. Sort of stand up, That was my first pay per view stand up. It was like twelve, like being only I think it was only seven or something at the time. It was cool stand up late and all. Never having the yeah. sleeping bags and all downstairs. Nothing else is great. Stand up late and watching it and all live instead yeah. of tape and watch it the next day. But I was definitely my first real
0: childhood sort of memory, first pay per view. Remember, remember yeah. when it was yesterday. And they were both brilliant. You know, they were both unbelievably talented in their own right. I mean, a lot of people have them in the, the sort of the goat conversation and, and rightfully so in my opinion. Both yeah. of them, I thought both of them were, were excellent. You had Brett being the ultra professional and Sean being absolutely mental until maybe yeah. his return in 2 but just two a brilliant just two brilliant wrestlers. Definitely, definitely were and like I think sometimes now you don't appreciate how good they were. I think
3: obviously when you're back you're, you're a kid no, when you watch back now, like if I ever watch the network and just flick on, like I can just go back and watch any Michael's match from years ago or any Brett and they're just brilliant like they're just top quality matches they always had like yeah do you know what I mean and, and it's, um, definitely for me Brett was always like my number one I, I usually always say he'd be up was my number one as a kid because I just used to love remember the shades he had yeah and I always remember I always, like, always put them on a kid in the front row yeah and I just remember being a kid thinking I would just love to be like a kid and get them shades because I always think they look class and all yeah but definitely 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 two of them are Two of them are they were, and that Armand match you could go back and watch that. And still it's an absolute classic, like that's so many years ago,
0: like. Yeah, it's it's interesting too. I've sort of been going back and watching a lot of the older stuff, maybe stuff that I either missed, glanced over, didn't care about when I yeah. grew up. Like I sort of got into it in ninety seven, which in my opinion is probably apart from the screw job, obviously a horrible ending for Brett, but probably his best year in my opinion, or one of the two best years. And yep. WWF, I thought he, he was amazing in 97 as that heel. But I've went back and watched a few random pay-per-views from like 95 and 96 and watched even and Perfect at SummerSlam and then and Bulldog at SummerSlam 92. Like, yep. his matches, some of his moves are the same. But every match is different. There's a different story there in every yep. single match. And I think that's a credit to how good he was. That's what I mean. I don't think, I think sometimes
3: he doesn't get the credit he deserved so he ended up doing this until now you look back and you can go back and like you say watch the network and watch all the his old matches and you see how good y'all were like the one the one he fought I think was own heart him yeah. and Owen Hart had a match I think in the garden it was great I, I only watched that a few months ago actually and the Bulldog do mean the, me the cry were so into it and all and, like it was just such a good match so it wasn't and I, I never actually knew the Bulldog really struggled that match with uh, his back and Brett really helped him to get it to get it over and get it like go through it so it was good
0: yeah, I, I listened to a diff- an interview with Brett recently actually. Um it was actually with with Stone Cold and he was actually saying on it the Bulldog was wiped out on drugs. He was on a bender and Brett yeah. really had to like talk him through that whole match as they were going and carry him through that match, which makes it even more impressive when you consider mm-hmm. that one guy probably mentally isn't even there. <laughs> That's crazy. That's not that. that yeah, man, I didn't I, didn't, I didn't know that man. Yeah, it, so, it really like you, wouldn't, like you, said,
3: you would you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know from from what's it like.
0: Yeah. So. I, You've said he's probably up there in your favourite wrestlers. The next question, we've probably already touched on it slightly. Your favourite wrestler and why did they draw you in? Would Brett be your number one of all time? Or
3: what would um, it to
0: be that time period?
3: That time period, definitely. Sort of like really getting into it. Sort of like you say, and then he kind of left in 97. So he did. And then probably my next favourite after that probably would have been probably The Rock, I'd say. really, really took The Rock from early on. Yeah. early doors It's always a debate in mean, mind if like my top three would always be I'd say Michael's Brett and The Rock but if it was put in a spot to pick one I think I'd probably have to go with The Rock just I think just sometimes you go back and just watch some of the stuff on the mic for me it's just it's pure comedy gold and like some of my favourite matches and moments in wrestling I have to put The Rock down like my favorite one of the favourite matches the build up was him and Cena funny uh, yeah. the first one I think they're not the whole year, the build up to that and not knowing like who was going to win. I think that's one thing I miss in wrestling. It's it's not the not knowing, yeah. You used to be be a kid and like you never knew who never knew who was going to win. That was the last time I really felt that. And it was like, really, it was just so 50 50. Do you know what I mean? It was like the rock's not going to come back and job the Cena, and then you're like Cena's not going to flip and just job the rock after being away for so many years. Like that's that was one of my favorite like matches in the crowd and all. and Yeah.
0: It was in Florida. You were at that, weren't you? Yeah I was. It was that the crowd was crazy and the whole build up was brilliant too. I thought it was actually interesting because Neil, who's on part one of this podcast, the Flow Rider played a song for the rock, Machine Gun Kelly played a song for Cena and then they had their entrances. And looking back at it now, I remember Neil, for example, he hated that. He was like, Just get down to the wrestling I (laughs) thought I actually thought it was needed to build that sort of anticipation up. Because yeah. remember, Taker and Triple H was on that card, and I felt that Taker and Triple H was so good. If you actually look back, it was probably match of the night, but everyone obviously was there for Rock Cena. Yeah. Um, and I sort of felt that they had a couple of filler matches in between those two. Obviously, there was a there's a good word title match between Punk and Jericho and stuff, but they also had That's like it. um a, a six man tag or eight man tag, I think it was, and then they had. The Funkadactyls and Brody's Clay out dancing and things like that, and I, that that but that that sort of stuff I had no real interest in. But I felt the little sort of concerty type thing. I thought it was good. It sort of built the stage. It set the tone as this is bigger than just a normal match. It felt bigger, and as you said, that crowd was was insane, and especially with it being in Miami as well, it was very pro rock. But there was an element there of, you know, really passionate John Cena fans too. And yeah. one of our group that went over was he was there with his You Can't See Me T shirt on and he oh. was adamant the whole week. <laughs> the Cena's pinning the rock, the rock's not coming back to, to beat their top star clean and all this sort of stuff. So brilliant, brilliant, brilliant um time. And as you said, the build up to that was excellent. I thought it was brilliant from the rock's part, I thought it was brilliant from Cena's part. I thought it was super. But Deeds to finish off, you've talked about your favourite wrestler and even the build up and stuff. The fact is that you mentioned earlier like some of the unpredictability is gone from today's product would that be one of the reasons why you would either not watch today's product or do you watch today's product but you're just not as into it see i really stopped
3: stopped really watching it religiously whenever i think i went to the raw at raw, the three hours i think it was just too long just didn't have the time to sit down and watch three hours and i start. Just started drifting out, and then I think I think you said unpredictability's just gone. Like nine times out of ten, if you were to get a uh, a card for say WrestleMania, you can hear enough pick every every winner. Yeah, like it's just don't mean really, like who was it like was it was Goldberg and Braun Strowman. Like even at WrestleMania a few months ago, like you just knew you knew Goldberg's contract was only there till WrestleMania, so you yeah. knew if he ever fought, if it was Roman Reigns, you just knew Reigns going to beat him, and then obviously. He pulled out and Strowman came in. And then you was just like, just knew Strowman was going to win. There was no... Yeah. there's no real point in even watching it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where I think years really, we Sometimes just didn't know. Yeah. And that's one thing. I just miss that. Like, even, like, returns, remember? Like, people... You never knew when someone was going to return. Yeah. And you just heard the music and the pop. Where now if someone comes back, you know they're coming back because they've been seen in an airport or they're seen backstage. Yeah. It's, uh... Like you say, sometimes you miss being a kid and just not, not knowing what's going to happen. Or sometimes even, like, the internet, sometimes you feel ruins it. Yeah. Like, the, what was the first time I really noticed the internet ruined it was that um, Goldberg and Lesnar... Do you remember it got out in the internet when the internet really first became popular? The day both were leaving after the WrestleMania. Yeah. And the crowd just booed the life of them. Yeah. I, I always think that was the first... That was the real first time the internet ruined, started to ruin... Not, we're in wrestling, but like just started to get a bit too, too clever. Yeah, for too it. involved type thing. Too involved, and then, like sometimes like now they're trying to make a star, and if people don't like them, they just can just go on that internet and just try and stop pushes and all. And you're just like, just let it go and just let it enjoy it and see what happens. That's yeah the way I try to get into it. And don't think don't think even now, I feel bad for like even Drew McIntyre now because he got given the belt, which I think he probably deserved because he was doing really well. But like during this whole COVID with the no fans no, yeah. there's no crowd, there's no pops or anything. Like yeah. when a good, when something happens, it's good. You don't really hear a, a good crowd. No, I think it's it's a tough to out Like, but the yeah, it's hard to know as, who's over, know. isn't it? You know, with no crowd. Yeah. And, and, and I know I seen there, they actually have like a few actors or like a few people just in this big bang in the the shields
0: and <laughs> shouting a few woos if Rick Flers and not Yeah. It's just so weird. Like, it is. so it is. It's definitely one of those sports, you know, the football I struggled with when it came back with no fans, but after about a couple of weeks, I could get. I started getting into it again. I went, right, okay, it is what it is. But wrestling sort of one of those things that I've struggled with because it, yeah. to me, it is a spectator sport. I know football is too, but you can kind of get by with it. But I feel wrestling str- struggles, to be honest. You know, I've noticed a lot more cuts in the camera angle maybe they're changing things maybe changing the way a move looked or whatever I don't know but part of the thing that always brought me to wrestling too was it was all done once you know if something went wrong it went wrong if something looked amazing it looked amazing whereas now I, I've watched a few there's a one on NXT the other week where a guy done a flip over the top rope and the camera cut as he was grabbing the top rope to flip over and it moved to looking down from the aisle at the ring Right. but if, yeah, you, looked at, if you looked at where he landed to where the where he grabbed the rope from he's about five yards further forward <laughs> you know just little things like that annoy me because i like this the pure sort of if it, it could go wrong here because it's live i like well, that and i feel like that's well, sort of been taken away a little bit it's, def, it's definitely the i think the crowd I,
3: for me the crowd makes it more than anything because even there you're you're asking like my favorite wrestler like even another one of my favorite matches is the rock v hogan yeah and like Wrestling match. It is like obviously Hogan. I don't know how old he was, but he was completely near enough done. But it was the crowd. Yeah, like the crowd was just unbelievable, and that makes a match for me. I think it's nine times out of ten, it's the crowd. If the crowd's involved, it makes all types of match. You probably have the greatest wrestling match with no crowd, like Edge and Norton. Yeah, it just wasn't. It was a good wrestling match, but it wasn't anything. Like you need, a, you need the crowd. Yeah, so for me,
0: I think so too. And you mentioned there about stars as well like you said the rock and hogan it wasn't wasn't the greatest wrestling match but the crowd was into it and sort of to finish up do you feel that maybe wrestling as a whole not just wwe the wrestling as a whole is suffering in my opinion because there's no stars there's no draws there's no one that makes you want to go i've got to watch raw tonight because x is on the program you know we're back when we were younger i know obviously it's different when you're a kid but even as an adolescent and as a young adult and stuff, you still would flick the TV on when you knew The Rock was back to face on Cena or if when Batista came back a couple of years ago, you're thinking, oh, here's Dave from Marvel now, coming back into it or whatever. (laughs) But I struggled now. I'm thinking, right, I'm turning the TV on. Where's the stars? There's no larger than life, bigger personality. And part of the issue for me, and a lot of I could be accused of what wrestling maybe people on the internet call sizeist and stuff but <laughs> I do I actually I like some of the small guys but I do struggle to get really into it whenever I think one of the guys looks like my next door neighbour agree do you know, agree, do you know what I'm trying to say that way do you think that yeah. plays a difference like a draw and larger than life characters and stuff
3: well you only have to look at a scene advertiser who's come back tonight is it Meggles yeah they're, they're trying to bring back HBK, who's been on the boat for the last six weeks with Randy Orton Rip <laughs> yeah. Sir like, do you know what I mean? Ric Flair is 71, and they're still rolling them out, yeah. as my friend would call it. But do you know what I mean? Like, Randy Orton for me is only one at the minute, who's any sort of star par for me. Like, anybody else, no, no one means with a star power, yeah. I'd say. And that's only because I think he's star par because he's very good booed. <laughs> yeah, people enjoy if booing that, him, yeah. People enjoy booing him, but like, he's still there. You'll still, you'd, you'd watch him. And obviously Brock Lesnar, they're obviously, they're just trying to protect He's probably just not wasting his time bothered, but like, there's only real three, I think, with real, yeah, and it's sort of star, star part of it. But like you say, years ago, like, even the mid cards and all used to be, yeah, filled with star power. Where now it's just like, it's hard, it's hard for them to get over, I think, yeah, for whatever reason. It's just, it's just a tough time, I think, for the rest
0: of the minute. Yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, Drew McIntyre, he looks the part, he he speaks well in the microphone, he's certainly getting better and better in the ring, he's doing really well, and it's probably the most unfortunate time to be yeah. champion, you know, even in a maybe roundabout kind of way, it might have been better for him not to have beat Lesnar, you know, yeah, to have some screwy finish. And then maybe when the fans are back, you have you you sort of have him on this big rampage to get back to where he was because he was screwed out of the opportunity or something. I just feel like when you crown a new champion, like I look at Austin at Mania fourteen or when Kofi won it at Mania last year and things like that, it was the crowd that made it. It was being yeah. so over, and I think trying to make new stars with no crowd, just it just it just doesn't work. I don't feel it's it works. Just, no, it it. it, it. It definitely is. Like
3: you say, Like I watched, he'd done a, a good promo last week I think on Randy Orton and all and like, talked about like, how he got sacked and all and his head wasn't in the right place and how Randy treated him a bit like shit. And it was a really good promo, but yeah. there's no crowd reaction. If it had been this time last year, I probably would have really been over and talked a bit more, yeah. where it wasn't really talked about. He's just in an unfortunate time I think. Yeah. And it's just, like you say, I agree, they probably should have just kept the belt or gave it to somebody else and then let him when everything got back to normal, to try and
0: give him that, give him that moment, because he lost, he kind of lost that moment. Like I feel sorry for the fella. Yeah, same, that, that's one of the things I do too. I mean, at least now, if they're, if the, even right now when they're doing title changes, at least there's like twenty people in the fans trying to make an atmosphere. But WrestleMania was eerie, with no yeah, one.
3: Yeah, it, so it was so weird. It was just so so weird, like
0: and then so was, like, you see him get to the top rope and like roar you know he's at the top rope roaring holding the belt up and there's no one there it just it was weird it was odd <laughs> dd i appreciate your time that's all my questions for you have you anything to add for yourself in terms of your childhood memories or wrestling moments or favorite wrestlers you want to add before we before we wrap up can't think of anything else now Posse i think we got we got through it well or so it did I will I will speak to you very shortly and appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks for
3: having me, Potsy. Speak to you soon, John.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast with me, your host Darren. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the podcast. Thanks for your time. Stay safe and tune in next time.